Yeah, Father, we do thank you for the anointing on Phil to preach your word. And this morning, we want to be open and we want our hearts to be receptive to everything that you want to say to us, Lord. Let it go deep, let it take root, and let it transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. crammed so much into church, no? Always had a bit more space, eh? okay. Uh, well, if you go on mission, this is often uh, what happens, okay, because they haven't got large buildings, but they've got lots of people with big hearts. And uh, apparently we've got a lot of big people with big hearts this morning. Uh, we want to extend this building. Amen. That's it. We want lots of amens. I don't know what it's going to cost. We'll find out what it costs, but we want to extend this building. So you've got a little bit more space. You can bring more people in and get more crammed. Okay? So um, it's great. It's great that we're here. Uh, Dave said you can't have the lectern. And what Dave says goes. Okay? So uh, for years I preached without a lectern. I just preached holding a book in front of me. So I've gone back to that uh, tried and tested way. Now, I'm going to move around a little bit and see what happens with the PA system. I'm going to drive you nuts, Sam, because uh, I don't want these people to feel a bit cut off or uh, can't see me over here. So I'm going to be wandering about. I'm, I'm going to talk to you today about a transcendent God. A transcendent God. What does that word mean? We worship a transcendent God. It's a God who lives outside of the world of matter as we know it. He lives in the heavens of heavens. He lives, he fills the, the whole universe with himself. God is so vast and immense and enormous. We cannot imagine how vast he is. He fills every piece of space and we haven't explored even a fraction of that. And he lives outside of our world where we're governed by rules and laws, laws of physics. We're governed by those things. Things happen to us physically. Things happen to us naturally. And, and, but God lives outside of that. And when God comes into our world, he's not governed at all by any rules, physical or physical. He's, he's free to do exactly what he wants to do. He brings this transcendentness into this world. There's a psalm I want to share with you. It's Psalm 80. No, sorry, Psalm 8. And it's verses 1 to 4. It'll come up there, I hope, Psalm 8, verses 1 to 4. If you haven't got it, or if you've got it in your Bibles, I'll be reading to you from the NIV. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David knew something of this. He knew something of the majesty and the greatness of this God that we serve. If you do not understand... The greatness, the transcendency, the majesty of God, your Christian life will be poor. We have got connected with the God of the universe. 
and he can do anything he wants to do and he wants to do so much for us. You have set your glory above the heavens. Not above the heaven, but above the heavens. God's glory fills the invisible world as much as it does the visible world. But it says in contrast, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Just think about that. The God who is transcendent is the same God who can hear the smallest child sing. Isn't that something else? And it says here, he has ordained praise to come from the mouths of children. What is ordination? He confers something holy upon someone. He appoints to the Christian ministry. When children sing praises to God, they are ordained of God. Something of holiness has been confirmed upon them. They live as ministers of God. And what do these little children do when they praise God? You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the, flow, the foe and the avenger. When the, the lips of children sing praise to God, the devil is afraid. Isn't that wonderful? I never said that. Imagine when you sing praises to God. It is ordained of God that you sing these praises. The holiness of God is conferred upon you. When I consider your heavens, so you must consider them. David did. When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Get a picture of this. God placed the moon in the heavens with his fingers. He placed all the planets with his fingers. He placed earth in its place with his fingers. You're getting something of the enormousness, the majesty, the greatness, the overwhelming size of this God, a God who can penetrate into earth and hear the song of a little baby praising him. Simple words, Jesus loves me, this I know. He took the sun and the moon and the stars and placed them in the heavens. What a God! What a God we serve, so vast, and yet can get into the tiniest little crevice in the earth and hear a child cry. Which you have set in place. Then David asked the question, what is man? What is man that you're mindful of him? Why would you even consider me a vapour, a breath 
here for a, a tiny fraction of time and I've gone. What is my life to this transcendent God? It is but nothing. Why are you mindful of me, God? And he goes on to say, and of the sons of man that you care for him. He cares for every child who is born on this planet. What a God we serve. What a wonderful God we serve. I wanted an example from the New Testament. And I've turned to Matthew chapter 17. This is an illustration of this wonderful God that we serve. Two guys, Jewish men, they're not able to pay the temple tax. It's just four drachma, two drachma each. Why would God even interest in himself in such a nothingness? The God who puts things in space, why would he talk? Why would he be concerned? Why would he be interested in a tax? Can you pay your taxes? Do you know God is interested in everything in your life? Everything. This proves it. Two guys can't pay their taxes, but God knows about it. And he's going to take care of it. I say, that's good. Why do I worry about anything? Why am I concerned about anything? If this is the God that we serve, the God who is outside everything, yet comes in the middle of everything. After Jesus, verse 24, Matthew 17, after Jesus and his disciples arrived at Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Of course, Peter responds, yes, he does, not knowing if he did or didn't. Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was first to speak. I'm not sure he heard the conversation, but he knows all things. Isn't that reassuring? He knows we're stuffed in here this morning. I reckon he planned it. I reckon the God of the whole universe, the transcendent God, he planned this. So if you've got any complaints, don't bring them to me. Because I would love to be in a spacious place with millions of pounds extending the kingdom of God. But it's not the best thing for us now. It's that we're here, get it? This is the place that God has picked. The transcendent God of the whole universe has squashed us into this little place. Praise be to the Lord. Amen. God's ways aren't our ways. Did you know that? I would never do anything like God did it ever. Thank God for God. Thank God for God. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Does the Queen take a tax from Prince Charles? I very much doubt it. Us plebs, us plebs pay all the taxes. Yes? And it appears that Jesus thinks that's quite right. That's what should happen. 
Of course, the son of the king, the daughter of the king, doesn't pay taxes to their own father. From others, Peter answered, then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. So Jesus was exempt of the temple tax because his father was the God of the temple. I'm exempt. But so that we, we may not offend them. Oh, isn't that so gracious of Jesus? Do you ever do things so that you will not offend them? He says, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch. Open its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Jesus and Peter were brassic. They had nothing. They didn't have a penny. They couldn't even pay a simple temple tax. But this transcendent God of the whole universe had it all under control. What on earth do you worry about ever? Isn't this the God that we serve? Isn't this the God that we bought into? Isn't this the God that we love? Isn't this the God that we squash ourselves into a building to praise him? Isn't this the God, the God who knows that two Jewish guys can't pay four drachma tax and he comes from a transcendent into a matter world and he talks to a fish who clearly understands him. I don't know how the four drachma coin got in the fish's mouth. I haven't got a clue. Maybe God just put it there. And he comes and swims right by Peter's line and takes the bait. How weird can you get? How weird a God we serve. I'm so glad I have a weird God. He's weird because he's not controlled by the rules of this earth. He is transcendent. Therefore, anything that I come to him with, anything, he can do it. Because he's not governed. He can, he can heal every sick body in the world if he chose to. He could save every soul in the world if he moved upon them in such a powerful way. He could explode so much wealth into his church that we could get the gospel out in the next six months to billions of people. But he doesn't. I ask myself questions when I read my Bible. I thought, come on, Jesus. You're obviously tuned into God, just like we are. Just like we are. Don't concentrate on praying. Concentrate on tuning into God. His spirit lives within you. You should hear the voice of God directing you on a daily basis. Now, I want to know why Jesus didn't say to Peter, Peter, look in your pocket. I know he never had trousers <laughs> like this. But look in your pocket. Oh, look, a four drachma coin. He didn't say to Peter, go in the kitchen and you'll find on the table a four drachma coin. No, he didn't. The very thing that Peter could do and liked doing 
was fishing. So we said, go get your line and do a bit of fishing. I don't know if you told him what was going to happen. But you know the wonderful thing about Peter and all of us? We are obedient. We are obedient. See, there was no four drachma coin anywhere else but in the fish's mouth. So if he was going to get it, he had to go fishing for it. Why? 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 To test his obedience and to cause him to love God and walk by faith. I'm so glad God takes his time. I'm so glad I have insufficient funds to do everything I want to do. I am so pleased when I have no money at all. Because the transcendent God of the universe can do something about it. Why else is the story there? To mislead us? To put us off track? Oh no, to encourage us. God's interested in your taxes. Dear me. I wish there was a Jesus on that ballot paper, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I would give him the biggest cross I could. He's the one that can solve the problems. God bless all these other guys. I'm sure they're well-meaning. A great number of them. Thank God for them all. The women and the men that stand to represent the people. Thank God and I pray that you pray over who you tick or cross and you get the one that you deserve. Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we stuffed into this little place? Because the transcendent God of the universe said so. That's it. Are you uncomfortable? Well, a little bit. It's not, uncomfortable as the sc- not as, as comfortable as the school. But isn't that good that you're uncomfortable? Isn't it good? Yes. Amen. 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 See, if you're comfortable, you know what happens when you're comfortable? You go to sleep. You won't sleep here, will you? Or we'll make sure you don't get a chair next week. There's no sleep in here. <coughs> this is hope, family, church. I love it. I love it. I love it. See, the God of the transcendent universe will reach down into Cafe Rendezvous. This isn't Hope Community Church. This isn't even Hope Christian Centre. It's Café Rendezvous. Don't call it anything else. Don't call it the centre. It's not the centre. We took that sign down a long time ago. It's Café Rendezvous. And do you know why it's Café Rendezvous? Because God told us to call it Café Rendezvous. So don't call it anything else. 
Because that's disobedient. We meet at Cafe Rendezvous. Because God told us to meet in this place. And he named it as Cafe Rendezvous. Where do you do church? Are you pleased? Yes. Amen. We do church at Cafe Rendezvous. Rendezvous being the meeting place of God. When that lady walked up the road and came in here, that complete stranger, and she said on that night, is this Cafe Rendezvous? I tell you, goosebumps were on the back of my neck. I thought, how does this woman know that only three other people know this possible name? I've never seen that woman again. I said to God, God, why did you do that? He said, this is my building. This is my cafe, and I will name this building, and I name it Cafe Rendezvous, the meeting place of God. That's why I want to be here. That's why I want to be here. I don't want to be at the school, because God ain't going to go there. God's going to come here. God's going to explode in this place. This is where God is going to come. This is where he's going to come. Elijah needed feeding by the ravens, remember. And God said, go to the brook Cherith and wait there. Because I will send ravens with meat in their mouth. I tell you, if he had not gone to that spot, he would have died of starvation. Because the birds would have gone nowhere else but where God sent them. I'm glad I'm here. Sorry, don't mind me. You're all right. No, you don't have to move. You're all right. We, it's good we bash about into one another. Come with me to Hebrews 11. The clock couldn't be any bigger, and I couldn't be any closer to it, so don't worry about that. I've got to love this chapter over the last two years, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says this. By faith Noah, when he warned, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This transcendent God looks down into the earth that he has placed by his fingers. And he, he sees a stench coming up from this little golf ball. He says, something is terribly wrong on that star that I placed in that place. And he has the ability to go right into that tiny place and he finds a man called Noah who worships and has faith in him. And he gets him to build a boat. Well, I tell you, if the world's this big, I don't know how big the boat is. It's tiny, tiny. And he puts about 2,000 animals and eight people into that boat. And that boat becomes the saviour of humanity. The great God 
can come into the tiniest, smallest place in the planet of the earth and bring about salvation. 150 years later, we read this in Hebrews 11 and 23. By faith, Moses' parents, as Amran and Jochebed, they hid him, that's Moses, for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. He does it again. The God of the whole universe looks down into the planet Earth and this time he sees the faith and the love of a mother and father. And he says, I want to build another ark. It's not this big this time. It's this big. It's to take a baby that's three and a half months old. See, God does things the same. First, he brings an ark that can save 2,000 people, uh, 2,000 animals and eight people. Now he's going to create an ark that can save one baby. But this baby will save two million people. The ark is the ark of salvation. Then as we go on in chapter 12, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God looks down again. And this time, he picks a teenage girl where he will plant his seed. And he takes a uterus, probably six or seven millimeters by three or four millimeters, the God of the whole universe can take a tiny seed. He can somehow see it. I don't know how he sees it. And he plants it in the uterus of this teenage girl. This place of salvation. And he saves the whole world. The God of the immense the God of the magnificent, the God of the heavens of the heavens is the God of Perivale. Do you see it? He's passionate about this place. So he gives us a little building, a little ark, tiny insignificant, almost as insignificant as Mary, as insignificant as those two slave people, Moses' parents, as insignificant as Noah himself, insignificant. How insignificant can we be? How nothing can we be? But the God, the transcendent God of the universe, he comes here. And he puts his seed. So this becomes a place of salvation. The ark became holy. That little basket became the holy place of God. The womb of the virgin became 
the holy place of God. And this, today, is the holy place of God. Do you get it? Do you believe it? Yes. You go, oh, don't know, a bit squashed here. I think I'll go to another church next week. Oh, folks. Why would you go away from where God is going to use this ark as an ark of salvation? Let's just wait and see. No, let's just be expectant. It said Noah, who feared God, who feared God, built the ark. It said of Moses' parents, they feared God, but they did not fear the king. You afraid of what people think? Don't give a monkey's. I'm only in awesome fear of the God, the transcendent God of the universe and what he's saying. This place is set aside for the glory of God. People walk in here. They say, there's such peace here. It's so comfortable here. So nice here. God wants to save Paravel with an ark full of faith-filled, expectant people. <coughs> what an opportunity to be in this place at this time. Like Noah, like Jochebed, like Mary. Two women, one man. I'm on your side, women. You understand? <laughs> you women are so important. The faith of a woman to create the dwelling place of God is so vital in this whole thing. Men destroy armies and kill lions and bears and do all these sorts of things, but it is the women and their faith that create the dwelling place. Of God. Let it be like you have said, Lord. Isn't that what Mary said? Let it be in me, as you have said. Let's pray together. You're a God who fills the whole universe. And somehow at the same time, you're a God who can penetrate into this tiny crevice called Perivale. In a world to you that's no bigger than a golf ball. And you can see the hearts and the minds and the faith of every person in this place today, God. And it delights your heart and it delights us, God, to be here, to be believing in you, God, to be trusting that we're going to see you do wonderful things, bringing this world of yours into this world of matter and amazing us on a daily basis. Bless each one in this place, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen, God. Great word. You blessed? Encouraged? What's this place called? All right, they're listening. Um, okay, worship team, are you coming up? You're going to go again? You're here already, pretty much, that's it. <laughs> um, and you absolutely do not have to leave at one o'clock. So um, stick around, have some fellowship, and have a great week. God bless you all. Stand together, the last song. Oh, to you, oh, to you, and I.